seat. <laughs> Preach the word. Yes, keep saying it. I'll keep doing it. Turn to Luke 17. If you have your Bibles with you today, we're going to give you a, a few things to do today, perhaps. This has been an interactive series. We've tried to make it a series that uh, you get to participate in. Oftentimes, churches can be places where you can go and just observe. And that's okay, too. We learn a lot by observing and listening. But we've tried to make this something you can participate in. So one of the things uh, I'll, I'll give you to do uh, today, some of you that maybe like math. How many of you like math? It's your favorite thing. Raise your hand. Yeah, you love math. All right. Those are the, those are, uh, the people that are a, a little bit on the nerdy side, but they make more money than the rest of us. All right? So uh, that's great. If you like math, and if you were to think right now, uh, today is January 26th, okay? Today's January 26th, and the last day of the year, last time I checked, is going to be December 31st, 2014. If we're on this earth that long, that's how many days there are between now and the end of the year. If you were to sleep eight hours a day between now and then, some of you are like, yeah, right, that's going to happen, okay? Uh, because you're too busy and you don't get to bed in time, or maybe you just wake up in the middle of the night several times, I don't know. But if you were to sleep eight hours a night between now and December 31st, what I'm wondering is, who might be able to figure out how many moments there are in the year 2014? Now, at the end of the sermon, I'm, I'll ask, and so if somebody gets it, we'll see if, uh, if, if you are as smart as you think you are. You can be thinking about that. I'm trying to give you stuff to do, you know, during my sermon. Some of you, you know, you can multitask. You need several things. We're in the middle of this series called One... Well, no, we're at the end of this series. Today is our last, uh, last Sunday of this series, 1,000 Gifts. And it's been an invitation that's been extended to all of you. And even if this is your first time here today, then it's extended to you today to join us in an experience of thinking of 1,000 blessings that God has given us and writing them down on paper. And we've also done some other things. We've, we've put some of them here on, uh, on the canvases as well. And, and so I'll give you something else here in just a moment. We've looked at the Bible and we've noticed a couple of sins that maybe we've ignored or we've winked at as Christians through the years. What were those two sins? Can you guys remember? Ungrateful and complaining. And most of the time we've been like, oh, those aren't that big of a deal. I mean, the really bad ones are stuff like, you know, smoking and drinking and chewing and dating girls who do those three things or whatever. You know, I, I don't know. That was supposed to rhyme, but it didn't work. So, uh, you know, those are the really bad things. And yet as we look through the Bible, those, those things actually aren't even listed in the Bible. I don't think. I better think back what I just said. But... Uh, but, but what we do wink at and we go, oh, that's not a big deal, is if we have an ungrateful heart. If our mouths puke, continual, complaining, sinful. I, I was shocked, personally, as I read the Bible and saw how powerfully God put these things in his word that not even to be around people who have these habits in their life and as we have been giving thanks we're noticing that those serious sins that can infect our heart 
that can cause serious problems like bitterness and depression or just make us really into spoiled, rotten little brats. It's possible. But we're noticing as we're thankful. And even last week we noticed during tragic or difficult times, as we're thankful by following the example of Jesus, our hearts are changing. Our mouths are not throwing out all that awful stuff, complaining and being ungrateful. We're trying to live this way that Jesus lived, realizing that we have a very, very, very good God. And so we're trying to live like Jesus did, and that is a life of a big Greek word that we all learned, and you guys all remember it, and you've been saying it, and the word is? Oh my goodness! Now, you know what's amazing is, this side uh, over here, east side Church of Christ maybe loves God a little more than West Side, okay? Because they all said it, and I didn't really hear it. But we're all going to say it now. I'm just kidding with you guys, right? You guys are with me, okay? That's just a joke. I know we all love the Lord. Okay, so so Eucharisteo, on the count of three, everybody. One, two, three. Eucharisteo. There you go. It's a little Greek word that means he gave thanks. He gave thanks. I was walking down, uh, walking down the hall the other day, and I saw a teenager, one of the teenagers from our church, said, how you doing? He goes, Eucharisteo. I was like, hey, the teens are catching on. I love that. That's awesome. And us older people, we can follow their example. We want to live this life. So we tried to give you these experiences, and we put these up, and we'll continue to have these around the church, and we'll continue to have pens, and you can continue to write things on them that might be things that you're thankful for. We're going to put up a couple more around the church that are blank right now. We're going to fill them up in the year 2014 with things that excuse me, all of us are thankful for. We started this whole series with a book, and I don't have it here with me, but it's the book by Ann Vascomp, and it's called 1,000 Gifts, and I believe Barbara put some of them out in the, in the auto, uh, what's that place called, the, the foyer, foyer, yeah, in that little place out there, and so if you want to get one of those books, there's a few of them out there, they're $10, and, and I started out by telling you that story about Ann, and, and that's kind of where we started, that Ann had everything, it seemed like she had everything that she ever wanted and hoped for in life, and yet she was depressed, she was bitter, she was angry, she complained all the time, she had an ungrateful heart, and she couldn't understand why. She prayed and asked God to help her, and one of her friends said, I challenge you to write down 1,000 things you're thankful for, and it changed her life. And we're going to talk about today why. Why does that happen when we thank God? We gave you notebooks that you could write down in. If you want to, you can get your own notebook. Some of you, I talked to some of you the other day, and they said, oh, I haven't started yet, but I'm going to. Well, good. That's great. You can start today. You can write down, number one, I'm thankful for uh, John Duncan's very short sermon today. That was my number one thing. And you can write it down, and then you can write number two, and you can figure out what the next thing is. We asked some of you, we asked all of you, if you wanted to, you could send in some pictures. You could text them in of things that you're thankful for. And you're going to start seeing some of those behind me today. I know I had some people who said, that was too much for me. You know, I, I couldn't multitask. And, uh, but this is kind of the last week we're going to have that experience of, of uh, having kind of some multitasking with that. But we're going to try one more thing today that I don't, I don't guess has ever been done at Gateway that I know of to help you participate. Everybody that has a phone that you can text, go ahead and pull it out and turn it on. And that's, that ought to be interesting if we start getting noises. But if you pull your phone out and you're a person who likes to text, you can pull that out. And this number right here, right while I'm preaching today, you can text what you're thankful for 
and, and put your name with it. And then these wonderful ladies that work so hard upstairs, they're going to put those right behind me. And this is going to be interactive right now, right between you and me and us. And we're going to encourage each other as you text those things to that number. And if you text something that's uh, a really big joke or really inappropriate, just looking at the teens, I don't know why, I just happen to turn this way, you know. If you happen to do something that's a big joke and it might be distracting and not be encouraging, it won't go on the screen, okay? There's a filter up there, and it's called Twyla and Anne and Ray. So uh, if you have something encouraging to text, then you can do that. So... Before we read from God's word, let's pray. Lord God, thank you for Jesus, Eucharisteo. Help us to follow his example. Change our ungrateful hearts. We don't need more rules that we shouldn't be ungrateful. We need you to change our heart. Change our complaining mouths. We don't need a list of rules to tell us not to complain. We need you to change our hearts so our mouths will change. Please, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, keep doing the work inside of us that you have started. We trust you. We believe that you're the one doing the work. And we surrender and make ourselves available even more today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the story of Jesus. Help us to sit on the edge of our seat today as we read about the one that we follow. We pray this in Christ's name, and everyone said, Amen. Luke chapter 17, and we'll be reading from verses 11 through 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Amazing miracle. Verse 15, One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now there are some a lot of uh, lessons we could get out of this. We actually looked at this back in the fall when we did the book of Luke. But we're going to revisit it and just talk about a few lessons real quick. The most obvious lesson is we should be thankful. That's what this teaches. When God gives you a good gift, be thankful. That's sort of a duh, of course. Of course that's what it means. There might be a few other more subtle lessons, perhaps, that are in this text, in this story. Only one out of ten said thanks. Where are the other nine, Jesus says. And maybe Jesus is trying to tell us that about nine times out of ten, we forget to say thank you. I don't know about you, for you it might be less. You might remember to say thank you like eight out of ten, I mean, uh, two out of ten or three out of ten maybe some of you even nine out of ten but i'm i'm more close probably to the one out of ten to be honest with you i ask for lots of things but i forget to stop and come back and say thank you god or perhaps luke tells this story because of the unlikely hero the unlikely hero is a samaritan 
And the Jews in that time, if they somebody said Samaritan, they might have just been like, spit on the ground after you say the word Samaritan because we hate Samaritans. This doesn't set well with the home crowd because they just hate Samaritans so much and they don't want to know something good about those people, their enemies, those awful people called the Samaritans. They don't want to think any good thoughts about those people. And God does this a lot. He notices faith and he notices good in unlikely places. You've seen that in your life, haven't you? Places where you thought, I didn't know God could show up at this place, and he did. I didn't know God could come out of that person, and he did. God does that a lot. Maybe Luke wants us to know this story because there might be another truth that that we maybe don't like to hear very much, and that is this, the good people, okay? The church people, the Jews of that time, the nine who ran onto the temple to keep the rules and go tell the priest, those nine probably represent most of us and maybe the holy spirit wants us to face the possibility today that we may be the people us the church going people we may be the people who are least likely to be thankful we are pretty used to having great 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 blessings from god given to us Every single day. We just sort of expect it. And how about some more? When you're showered with good every day, it's easy to get out of the habit of being thankful every day. And that word right there, the habit of being thankful, is really what this series has been all about. If you've chosen to sit this one out, if you've chosen to say, I don't really need to do that and I'm not going to write, that's okay. But it probably hasn't meant much to you. We've just four weeks said, say thank you. And that's all it's meant to you. But if you've participated, you've probably got out of this a lot more. A lot more. As I said, it's not too late to start. We're going to be remembering this all year. And if you have been, or if you do start now, there's a little treasure in these verses that are hidden here. And it's a gift for you today if you've been participating it's a, gift, it's a gift from the lips of Jesus. And it's only for people who stop what they're doing, who take the time to come back and to be thankful. Not the generic kind of, what are you thankful for? I'm thankful for everything. That's good. That's great. But that's not, that's not what Jesus is talking. He's not talking to you if you say, well, I'm just thankful for everything and that's good enough. These words are not for you. It's for anyone who stops and comes back and says, I'm thankful for this one thing right here listen to these words one more time jesus says were not all ten cleansed where are the other nine was no one found to return and give praise to god except this foreigner and then he said to him rise and go your faith has made you well oh he was already healed of leprosy jesus isn't talking about his leprosy and i could say the same thing to all of you who have stopped this month and you have taken the time to go back and you've you've slowed down and you've written down or you've just concentrated and you've thought about and you have purposely thanked god your faith is making you well this guy who comes back and takes time to praise god even though his skin was healed on the outside now something is happening on the inside 
Jesus said, here's an extra blessing that the other nine missed out on. And that's what we get every time we stop, every time we go back to God, every time we find a way to praise Him and say thanks. Something is happening on the inside that we may not even be aware of. Let me tell you how unaware of it we may be by telling you this little story about a study that I read about in a book recently. At a, somewhere where researchers do their research, they invited people to come in one at a time, and they would bring people in, and they would take them into this room, one person, and they would say, sit here for five minutes and think about what your life would be like if you were uh, like, a, like a professor at a college or a teacher at a school. Just, just think about that for five minutes. And they left them. And they came back in five minutes with some Trivial Pursuit cards. And they asked them Trivial Pursuit questions. And they did this with hundreds or thousands of people in this room. Then in this room over here, they took another group, one at a time, they take them in, they said, sit down and just for five minutes, all I want you to do is I want you to just be still and think about what would your life be like if you were a criminal. Just imagine it. Imagine what each day would be like. And then they left. They left them alone for five minutes. And they came back and they brought the same trivial pursuit cards and they asked them the same questions. These people in this room, after hundreds or thousands... Scored a 58. 58 out of 100. These people over here scored a 42. An incredible difference. The same exact questions. No difference in the people except they spent five minutes with their mind thinking. Thinking about good or thinking about bad. And this is what's happening to us. Paul says in Philippians 4. Philippians 4 verse 11. He says, I've learned to be content whatever whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I think it's amazing that if you heard Paul, we're talking about the Apostle Paul. Did you hear him say the words, I have learned... See, that's just what we say about, like, basketball. Like, I learned basketball. Or that's what we say about the violin. I learned violin. Or that's what we say about cooking or being a mechanic. I learned those things. We're not born a cook. We're not born a mechanic. You have to learn those things. And Paul is saying, you have to learn to be content. It does not come natural. It takes work and it takes discipline. Being content is something we have to learn. And so today, I want you to hear from a Christian sister in our church family. She is learning to be content. She's learning how to do that. It's not easy. It's not natural. But she's practicing and she's learning. Now, I'm a little biased, okay? But I got to tell you, I think she's one of the greatest people who lives on planet Earth. And her name is Raina Duncan. And I would like for you guys to give her a big gateway welcome. Raina, come on up. <laughs> Hi, my name is Raina. Um, if you can't tell, that's my dad. So, um, my dad asked me to talk to you guys about my experience for doing this uh, 1,000 gifts. And I, I have not written down 1,000 gifts or 1,000 blessings in my life, but I am working on it. So, um, 
whenever I started this, the reason that I did was because I was really, I was sick, and I was just in a really bad mood, and I just was thinking things that could make me feel better, so um, I just started writing down um, everything that I was thankful for, and it was like a disease in me, like, it just kept flowing from me, and my, like, the pain couldn't stop, I just, for a whole, like, couple of nights, I was just constantly writing them down, and it was like, it was really good to feel that way, um, just to thank God for all that, and um, I really, it was a good time, just even though I was sick, I I just was really thankful for a lot of things, and um, then life happened, and I had finals, I Christmas started, um, and I was just having problems with friendships, and it was just, I just got really sad, and I just was really mad at God, and I just did not want, I didn't want to write down anymore, and I mean, that seems like, even this little book right here seems like a really small thing in that time of my life, like, but I really did think about it. I was thinking, why would I want to write down 1,000, I mean, why would I want to do that whenever I'm in such a horrible mood, and I'm in, I mean, so many bad things are happening, and I'm so stressed all the time, and, um, it didn't really make sense to me why I should do that, and so I stopped for a couple of weeks, and um, I was just really bitter towards people, and it was hard because I had to put on a face of happiness um, to be around people, and um, it really made me sad just not to kind of be thankful, and I, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I just was sick of having a bad attitude towards life, and so um, I started telling myself that I was going to write five a night, and just think back on my day about some of my favorite things, whether it was a walk with my mom, or I put going and looking at the goldfish at Walmart, um, (laughs) hanging out with my friends, or I mean the snow, just I mean little things, everything from my day, I would look back and say five things a day, and I'm up to about 400 so far, and it's, I mean, you would think it's really hard, but it's not. You can think of so many things that are thankful, and like I said, it's like a disease. It just, I stopped, and then I decided to start again, and it it has helped me just feel really good. So I know that some of you guys have probably you're probably thinking, like, why should I be doing this? I don't, like, I don't want to, you know, I'm not really thankful or, but it really, I mean, even if you don't want to, just try a five a night. It really made me feel better whenever I was going through a hard time and made me realize that God really does love me. So, thank you. Good So it's a discipline. It's not easy. It's not easy for Raina. It's not easy for me. It wasn't even easy for Paul. That's why he said I had to learn it. Philippians 4, like we just read, 4.11, he said he learned. But if you back up just a couple of verses, back to 4, verse 8, this is what we find out. How did he learn? How was he able to do that? And he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true... Whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. 
See, we didn't need a Bible. I mean, we didn't need uh, the Trivial Pursuit story that I told to know that that was true because we already have the Bible. We believe the Bible. And when we think about what we're thankful for, we will join Paul in learning to be content. The fact that we know it doesn't make it easy. It's still hard work. This theme verse that we've had kind of through this whole thing, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, three very difficult things. Paul says, be joyful always. It's a tough one. Pray continually. Some days, okay. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks. Even the word give makes it, Makes us know this is hard work. It's like an investment. It's going to cost us. Anytime we give something, it's going to cost us because it's not natural. There was a research done in psychology today. They had something like what we're doing. They took two groups of people. One group, they had them keep a list of things they were thankful for in a little journal. And on the other group, they had them keep a list of things that annoyed them. That would be kind of fun, actually, I think. Like you go around each day and be, you know, like you, you're with somebody and then you're like, man, I'm going to write that down. That really annoyed me, man, you know. And, and there's sort of this like kind of weird delight inside of us to think about things that annoy us. But they had two groups of people do that. Not surprisingly, the group writing down things that they were thankful for had more energy. They had more enthusiasm. They slept better. They were significantly less depressed. The National Institute of Health did a study of the blood flow to the brain when a person was saying words of thanks. And you know what they find? They found higher activity in the hypothalamus region of the brain. And that's important because that's a part of the brain that controls things like our stress level, things like our sleep, things like our metabolism, which says to me that you could actually burn calories and lose weight by being thankful. How about that? Yay! <laughs> I have no idea. Hypothalamus. Ask Doc Spence. He could tell you. Or Doc Kiker. There's also relationship benefits as well. Studies have showed that expressing thanks to others is the most effective way to influence a person's future behavior. That's just psychological studies. Studies of people who were thanked for giving directions. You know what? They were more willing in the future to give directions. Social workers who got a thank you card from their clients, more likely to go visit more clients. Servers who write thank you on the check when they give it to you, more likely to get a big tip. Husbands who get a thank you after they wash the dishes, more likely to do it the next time. Husbands, you got to do it once to get thanked, all right? Mothers who get a thank you for their meals being fixed, guess what? They're more willing to fix more meals. So saying thank you is like you have to give because you have to give thanks. But it's like making an investment and so you get a return for it. I just want to finish by saying that there's some very practical ways. Besides, I mean, we're kind of finishing this up and maybe some of you will keep writing things down. These will still be hanging around the church. But there are other very practical ways to give thanks. Every time we pray, every time you pray, we, we, most of all of us say, thank you, God, for this day, or thank you for the blessings you give me. Most of us say, thank you for Jesus, or thank you for salvation. But if we were to choose one other specific thing during the day and say, thank you, God, for that, that would make a difference in our life. If we were to tell people thank you more often, that would make a difference in our life. If we were to sing 
and worship. You remember last week we talked about Jesus. He's about to go die. They have the Lord's Supper with the bread and the wine. And it says, then they sung a hymn and went out to go out to the Mount of Olives. He's going to die and he's singing. How in the world can he do that? Because he knows God is good. Because he's living a life of Eucharisteo. And when we're doing that, songs can remind us of how good God is, how thankful we are. We can serve others to give thanks. We can just give, give away things to give thanks. You guys know the famous quote, Life is not measured by the number of breaths we take, but by the moments that take our breath away. It's just kind of a neat little saying. It's a good you know, plaque for the bathroom. But what goes along with that maybe is the idea, I have to create some moments to take my breath away. And we don't. We don't have to create any moments to take our breath away. God has already created them. We just need eyes to see them. Eyes to see each moment. How many moments are there if you sleep eight hours a day between now and December 31st? Did anybody get the answer? Anybody? Yeah, what is it, Cody? That's a totally different answer than I got. <laughs> Cody is an engineer, and I'm a preacher, and I'm going with the 19 million, okay? I had a big number, but it wasn't that big. Here's the point. There's a whole bunch of moments between now and December 31st. In the year 2000, there's a lot of moments that could take your breath away. There's a lot of moments that you could live Eucharisteo. There's a lot of moments to give thanks. There's a lot of moments to learn to live life full of joy because God is good and God loves us so much. And so I don't want us to miss a single gift from our Heavenly Father, I want our eyes to be wide open. And I want to finish this series by letting you see a, about a three or four minute video. This will be the last thing and we'll sing a song by Ann Voskamp. Reminding us that moments, something every one of us has. So let's be thankful. She isn't 24 hours old yet, still that heaven scent upon her skin, when I pull her close and whisper it right into her, whisper into her the meaning of life, the one thing she needs to know before she's as old as I am and as messed up as much as I have. Moments, I tell her this, moments, this is all we have, microscopic fleeting moments her eyelashes flutter in dreams and I wonder how many moments of my life have my eyes been wide open but I've been rushing, racing sleeping right through how many of the popsicle days and run and twirl and spin days how many of the moments of melting ice cream and crazy laughter dangling bare feet and the setting sun igniting the wonder of now. Someone, wake me up to the beating of wings and splashing of water, the setting of fog at twilight, the way the leaves and the childhood slip away in the woods, torched with the last of summer. I want to tell her this. You have 
got to figure out a way to stay fully awake. Time's blurring by and everyone's slipping past. How do we wake to the moments? How do we stop living like life is an emergency? Something to be sped wildly through life isn't an emergency. How do we start believing that life can be carried only in the hands of the unhurried? A bubble held in awe. How do we stop wolfing life down? Because life is our only dessert. Too brief, too sweet, too delectable to hurry. To live like a boy I once knew. Pause between bites. <laughs> to wiggle his one loose tooth and whisper, I love you, Mom. And all this, all this, all these moments, all these are for you. Isn't that the voice we have to learn to hear? The voice that is telling the whole world that the earth under you and the rain over you and all the stars spinning all around you, this is for you, for you, for you. Your true love smile and a nap and a patch of light and the whir of bike spokes and the wild rose and the sill and that one great puff over flickering candles. These are all for you. What if we really figured it out? The gratitude for the seemingly small and insignificant. This is the seed that plants the giant miracle in the midst of it all. So count the ways he loves. A thousand more. Never stop. So that when you wake in the morning, you can't help unfold your hands to the heavens. And though you grieve and though you wonder, though the world is ugly, it is beautiful. And though time moves on, its moments are holy. And though the planet spins a blur, you can slow and you can wake and you can trust and you can pay attention to the moments with this offering of thanks. Because this is how you spend your one life well, receiving each moment for what it really is, holy, ordinary, amazing grace, a gift. Moments like these, I sing out a song. I sing out a love song to Jesus. In moments like these, I lift up my voice. I lift up my voice to the